I welcome everybody to this week's My Money, My Lifestyle podcast. Um, we I've taken a little bit of a, a different approach today because I've been working on an article um, on car finance and um, I've had so many questions about it. And I have to tell you, it took me about three weeks to wrap my own head around how car finance works. So I thought today, Mapolo is taking some personal, uh, personal time off and I thought, well, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to bring on an expert to answer all these questions that I've been getting around car finance. How do you finance your car? What's the best way? When a dealer tells me this is a true, how do I pay my car off sooner? What if I can't afford my car anymore? And um, so I thought, you know what, I'm going to bring on uh, Henry Buerta. He's head of strategy and business analytics at ABSA uh, Vehicle and uh, Vehicle and Asset Finance. And uh, I did quote him in my article, which you'll be able to see in City Press on Sunday. But I thought, let's get it from the horse's mouth, so to speak. So welcome, Henry. Thank you so much for, for joining us on the podcast. Thank you, Maya. Great to see you again. <laughs> and uh, Henry, I also just appreciate the time you've given me in uh, over the last few weeks trying to understand because I must tell you something, and it's going to sound like I understand intuitively how car finance works, but I don't finance my cars. I don't buy my cars with finance. Okay. <laughs> so it was only when readers started showing me their car statements that I was like, okay, I get why this is so confusing. So you're going to have to help us and walk us through this. But I, I want to start off with just as most people do. They find a car of their dreams at a dealership. The dealer offers finance. Should they take it or should they shop around? I think it, it works what you get at a dealer. So on the one side, you apply at a dealer. The dealer goes to four even more banks and asks what's the best possible deal that that bank can offer you. I, I would definitely go that route and see if I can get a better offer that way. And if I'm, you know, if you say some, some of your readers are suspicious as to what they can get at a dealer, then... Also approach your bank and ask them what's the interest rate that they can give you if you apply directly with them. And the kind of questions I was getting from people was things like, oh, um, the dealers offered me a five-month uh, payment holiday. I only have to start mm. paying the car after five months. Am I accruing interest during that time? Like, what are the questions you should be asking? Yeah, yeah. ask the questions. Ask, um, is the dealer paying those installments on your behalf? Or is it just a delayed payment and the interest is accruing over those months um, and it's adding up? Um, so sometimes you're going to pay off the loan for a longer period or your installment's actually going to be higher because five months you didn't pay an installment. So how do you, do you think you should get that in writing? Because it seems to me like the guys indicated to me that he said the dealer told him, no, 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 there's no interest. But he's not 100% sure. I mean, how do you check that? Like, how do you, as a, as a consumer, know whether or not they, it's true? Because it's hard for us when we get these statements to actually understand what's happened on them. So, mm. you know, how, how could he compare? Does he maybe go and get a quote uh, from a, a normal, from a bank and, and, have, and know that that's what the installment would be? And if the installment's suddenly different, uh, I mean, I don't know. how do you compare? No, I would ask the same dealer, the same person that gave, gave me that contract to say, okay, but do the same deal for me. But with no with no payment, uh, missed payments for you know um, holiday period for five months. I want to see what the difference is. What's the difference in instalment? What's the difference in the total uh, interest that I'll be paying over the period? And, and, and they should be able to do that. It's it, it's not a difficult thing to get that quote as well. 
And then you could compare total cost with total cost. So at the end of the period, I'll say this much versus that much. Okay, so that's a very good tip. So ask for those two comparisons to make sure. Um, and also the other one I've seen um, is, is, is where they say, well, they're going to give you quite an aggressive interest rate, sometimes at prime, even below prime. So often better than what perhaps your bank would offer you. Um, is there something that, is there a catch that we need to know about? No, they, I don't think there's any catch. Um, I think there usually is some terms and conditions and and it will say that you need to, uh, it's the risk grade dependent in order for you to get that interest rate. What what also happens is it's, it's less prevalent now than what it was in the past where instead of giving you a discount on the vehicle, that discount is worth into your interest rate. So um, over the period of the loan, instead of getting a 20,000 Rand discount on the car, that 20,000 rand is worked over the 72 months or however long the installment is into the interest that you'll be paying. But that gets quite complex, and that's, I think, why it's not uh, so much uh, in, the, in the market anymore. Um, because yeah, what happens when you settle early? Yeah, yeah. If you settle early, then suddenly they, they lose out on that. Uh, yeah. Mm. And because somebody actually asked that question, they said, you know, I was told by a Mercedes Benz dealer that I don't save any money paying cash. So, but, you know, again, why? Right. Why can't you giving you cash? Maya, Maya, I think we, you, we're also living in a very interesting time where interest rates are so low. I mean, you have an expectation to get a better return on the exchange rate or on your, um, um, pension fund than what you're currently paying interest on when you buy a vehicle. Um, but let's get back to what the Mercedes dealer said. Um, in the past, you usually went to a dealer and said, I put down cash and therefore I want a better price. But I don't think that exists anymore. Um, but it's also up to the dealer whether he or she is willing to give you a better price if you pay cash or take out a finance agreement. Um, it's up to all of us to negotiate. Um, it's, it's just as much as the dealer negotiate, we need to negotiate as consumers and say, well, if I organize my own finance, what price will I get? And if the dealer says, well, it's not actually no difference, um, the price you pay is, is what you need to pay, um, then that, that's how it is. Mm. But I think it is important because, you know, each dealership has different targets they have. It's not always just the same price everywhere. And I think that's very mm -hmm. important to know as well. And the other one, Henry, that I'm picking up a lot, I get this question so many times that I, I don't believe it's a one-off experience. I think it is quite, uh, it's, a, it's a systemic through, the, through, the, through dealerships where people are told not to put down a deposit. So uh, they okay. say, don't put down a deposit, take the full financing, um, but then in your first or second installment, paid as an advance payment um, because you get a better interest rate, they tell them, or there'll be some benefit to you as the customer. I'm not so sure. I don't know if that's a bit okay. of a fallacy. Banks well, like deposits. It lowers the risk of the whole loan agreement. Um, I, I do not think you'll get a better interest rate if you don't pay a deposit. It's, it, maybe the dealership just wants the loan amount to be as big as possible um and and think that that way you would get a better interest rate but I, I don't think that is what exists um pay a deposit if you've got one available maybe a better advice to give the consumer is um don't put all your nest egg into the single vehicle if something does go wrong it's usually more difficult to go and apply for a loan again um then it is to have some money put aside for when that ha happens yeah i agree with you i think people do they have this you know, lump sum, maybe 50,000 Rand, and they want to use that as the deposit. And I always say to them, do you have an emergency fund? 
Mm. Or is this your emergency fund? You know, make sure you've got liquidity outside of this um, because yes. exactly that life can happen. So this should be money that you've specifically saved for a vehicle, not something that you would rely on as, as an emergency. And, and I suppose that if you put the deposit down, if I came to Absa and I said, well, I'm going to put down this deposit, a 30% deposit maybe, would I qualify possibly for a better interest rate? Would you consider me a better risk rate then? I think you'll see a difference in interest rate versus a customer that takes out a balloon payment. So it's the extreme on the one side and a customer that puts down a deposit, but it's not guaranteed. Um, you could already be on such a good interest rate because you've got a very good uh, credit rating and payment behavior and history that there's no real uh, benefit of putting down a deposit as well. But it, it's a case-by-case -case basis. Um, mm. You know, some customers get the best possible interest rate just because they have very good credit behavior. But I suppose one thing the deposit does do is it, at least you're paying less interest. Maybe your interest rates are the same, but you're that's, paying less interest because the amount that you're financing is lower. So that, it, that's, that's the two benefits. That is, that, yeah. I mean, that's a real, real benefit. And you can either then get lower installment payments or pay mm. off your, your loan, your car there's, sooner. There's two big benefits, Maya. The one is that you do pay less interest over the lifetime of that loan. And the second one is you can trade your car in so much sooner. If, for instance, you take out a balloon payment, it can take beyond 50 months before you reach a break-even point. Whilst if you paid a deposit, it could be shorter than 30 months. So if you're not certain how long you're going to keep this vehicle and you want to be in a position to go and trade it in, get the best new thing that's available on the shop floor, uh, you're in a much better position if you did pay a deposit. So I just want to clarify that. So you're saying 55 months. So if you take a balloon payment, you could be owing more on your car than it is worth for 50 mm -hmm. months. And that's more that's... than four years. That's where the big difference comes in when you pay off a house versus paying off a car. We, we all know that when you drive off the showroom floor, your car is worth less than the day you bought it because a car depreciates. Mm -hmm. Now, you need to keep up with that depreciation with how quickly you're able to pay off your loan. Um, if you pay a deposit, you've given yourself that step ahead. If you take out a balloon, it's going to take longer to achieve that break-even point. Now, a bank doesn't want to give you a balloon payment that is most that is likely to be worth to be more than what the car is worth at the end of the loan period um, but that gives you a bit of context as to how balloons are determined um, so all in all likelihood it's going to take much longer to reach that break-even point and and that's where the problem comes in is when you can then continuously start doing that you settle your car early you have to pay an additional amount and then you load a balloon again on your next vehicle that's kind of a, a you know a a bad situation to continuously do. So, I mean, that's an interesting one. So we had quite a lot of questions about that saying, what do you, what happens when, if you've got a balloon payment? So, so let's take that example of, of trading in and buying again. So maybe you've got a balloon payment of 90,000 Rand. Um, you, you still owe that 90,000 Rand. So that 90,000 Rand is then added on as new financing to the next car. So say you buy another car for 300, you actually now owe 390. It just gets loaded. Is that how it works? Um, yeah, you don't want to get in that situation where you need to finance your previous vehicle with your new loan. Um, ideally, you want to get where your settlement amount, which would be the balloon payment plus all other outstanding uh, you know, uh, money that you owe on the vehicle, is less than what you trade in the vehicle for. 
if it's not yet in that situation, rather drive a few months more until you achieve that. Um, but yes, if, if you can't get to it, then you need to negotiate with, the, with the, your new loan amount and try and get out of your old vehicle. But doing that the second, third time, you start getting into a really tough position. Well, that's exactly it. And, and, and somebody said, you know, is a balloon payment really that bad if I know I'll be trading in the car in the future, never planning to actually own it? I would mm. say the opposite. I'd say that, that what you just described is exactly the worst thing you could do. Absolutely. I think a balloon payment maybe makes sense when you're still young. It's your first car that you're buying. You don't have a deposit built up yet because everything is new. You have to get a new apartment, moving out of the house, etc. And also the chance of your salary increasing is quite good at an early life stage. But then when you get to your second car, you would not want to do that anymore or your third car. By then you would rather want to either not have a balloon or start building up a deposit. Mm. And um, somebody asked, they said, well, what happens? Okay, so there's obviously in the case of what happens to your balloon if you're trading in for a better model? Well, you know, hopefully it's settled by the value of the car. If it's not settled by the value of the car, then you're, you're adding the balloon finance onto the new car. So it can get you in a really, really tough situation. But what if you've kept the car? So now the car, you, your car's now coming, you've kept it. it the balloon payment, maybe 90,000 Rand is coming up. Does the bank take the car? or force me to pay the balloon in full or refinance me? What happens? Yeah, so, so you've got three options. So nothing is forced. Um, the three options are to either sell your car and settle the amount or to just settle it, which is very unlikely that you'll have that amount of cash available. Or the, what happens most often and it becomes the default is that the loan is then financed. The balloon amount is financed, usually at the same premium that what you've been paying up to now. Mm -hmm. So I found that quite scary because I think um, if I last time I looked, the average car finance in South Africa was over 69 months. So you can finance up to 72, even longer. But so you get people who are financing at 72 months with a balloon payment. They come to the end of the 72 months and they still now owe, owe maybe in this scenario 90,000 yeah. rand. They have to refinance that for another couple of years, which means effectively you could be looking at what, eight, nine years before you've actually paid this car off. And I think mm. that's the danger of the balloon. That, that is the danger of the balloon. Um, it, it's not so scary if I look at my own garage where my cars are nine years and 15 years old. So cars have the ability to at least survive for longer than that period. But yes, it does ask the question as to how long do you want to pay off the same car? Um, and it again comes to the situation of if you can delay your purchase by five months and you can build up a deposit, it puts you in a position that you can replace your car every three years. It, it's a much better position to be in then when you're forced to keep a car for seven or six or eight or nine years and you still aren't able to replace it. I mean, it's so key, that delay. So if you're saying right now, oh, I can afford 4,000 Rand a month on, my, on a car repayment, mm. spend five months, you know, um, you got 20,000 Rand, put that down as a deposit rather than taking this, this balloon payment. Um, yes. And I want to get now down to, because this is the thing that, um, <laughs> that, that you and I had a long discussion about, and these are the advance payments. So this is when mm. I pay more into my car so maybe i get a lump sum and i put it into my car finance because i want to settle it sooner or or i'm only supposed to pay back four thousand rand a month but i increase it to five thousand rand a month henry can you explain to people what actually happens and because they get so upset because it doesn't get capitalized and this is the other and i have seen the statements they are massively confusing it says advanced payments and it shows it's separate from your and so it still shows the outstanding balance is larger 
take us through it. Okay, so when you pay in an additional amount, the National Credit Act says that the bank must lower your principal debt. So that, that's just by law, we must do that. And when we lower your principal debt, it means that you're not paying interest on that anymore. When you want something else to happen with that additional amount that you paid in, so let's say you want to rather uh, increase your installments going, going into the future, then you must contact the bank. You must prove to them that you will be able to uh, afford those additional installments, that additional amount. It's a, it's a new credit assessment. Or if you want to lower your balloon payment, let's say you had a 30,000 rand balloon payment, you're paying 30,000, then get into contact with the bank and say, please decrease my balloon payment portion. But the default is that the principal debt gets reduced. Um, and, and with APSA, you pay interest on your outstanding balance, but you earn interest on the additional amount that you've paid in so that they cancel each other out. It's the same interest rate. So you get that benefit immediately when you pay in that additional amount. So I think what confuses people is because it doesn't, the way it shows on the statement. So yes, and I understand in theory, absolutely, it effectively is offsetting the principal. So if I owe 200,000 on the car, but I put in 50,000 rands worth of advance payments, I'm, my principal debt is effectively reduced to 150,000. But it doesn't show that on the statement. What well, in the statement it does, it shows it as 200,000, but with an advance payment of 50,000. And you're earning interest on your 50,000 advance payment at the same rate that you're paying interest on the 200,000. So the interest offset is there. So it, it is the same thing, but it doesn't look like the same thing because it's very hard to understand that on the statement. Um, mm. and, and when I spoke to you, you said what you, you know, that actually has the same impact because you're paying less interest, you will settle it. So what happens now? So say, for example, I've just done a lump sum. I've got 50,000. I've left it in as advance payment. I've been settling, continuing my normal repayments. I get to a point now, many months before um, my due date that the loan uh, is con the loan contract is due, um, but I now have actually got 50,000 owing on a balance plus 50,000 in my advance. So what do I do then? They now match. So, what do I Yes, get in contact with the bank. Make sure what is your settlement amount. Um, most likely then that advance payment that you made means that your settlement amount is zero or close to zero. Or even the bank might owe you a few rand because um, you don't have any outstanding interest anymore, et cetera, et cetera. So I think just get in contact with the bank. Say to them what your situation is and what you would like to happen. Uh, we do a calculation of what the actual amounts are, how they cancel each other out and you've got certainty then. Because what I'm seeing is a lot of people think that they still have to pay interest. So I'll give you this exact question. It says, mm. say I take car finance for five years, then I decide to settle it after three years. What does the settlement amount entail? Does it include the, pay the interest payable for the remaining two years on the loan? Yeah, so it doesn't. Um, prior to the new Credit Act, the National Credit Act, the NCA, um, banks used to be able to charge three months of penalty interest when you settle early. That changed. Um, there's certain bans, so below 250,000, there is no early settlement fee uh, applicable. Above 250,000 rand um, in you know, uh, principal debt, there is a um, early settlement fee of, uh, applicable. So that is what gets calculated, but you're not um, liable for the additional two years that you're not going to be paying off the loan, that you're not liable for that interest.
So Henry, what is the early settlement figure if your car is over 250,000? Because I actually had a question saying they were told they would have to pay 4,500 penalty to settle early, even though it's not specified in the contract. Yeah, so they, they should be specified in the contract where there are early settlement fees applicable. Um, the, the settlement fee is to cancel the loan early. And um, it's a formula that's calculated based on uh, an interest portion for the number of days that you need to give notice for. But it's not in like a three-month period anymore. We're more talking here about days. Days, not months. Okay, so that's very important. You can settle early if your if your original car finance was less than two hundred fifty thousand. There's no additional fees. If it was more than that, there will be, but it will be minimal. It won't be your three months. Um, and if you settle two years early, you're not going to pay interest on those those two years. I think I think that the, the principle here, um, Henry, that people need to understand is that you can a bank can only charge you interest on outstanding debt. They can't charge you interest on debt you don't have with them. So if you settle yes. the car, you don't owe the money, they can't charge you the interest. Correct. So when you ask a settlement amount, depending on where you are in the month, you've started accruing interest for that month and mm -hmm. that needs to be paid. And then there are accrued fees as well and then an early settlement fee. Mm -hmm. It sounds like lots of fees, but it, it doesn't it doesn't compare nearly as much as two years of interest. Yes. There'll be some, maybe there'll be some fees, but it's not going to be two years of interest. Mm -hmm. And um, I just want to, before I get on to my final question, I, I just wanted to quickly clarify also. So I know that some people have said they'd like to. So say maybe they've built up 50,000 rands with advanced payments. They've been paying a little bit extra every month. And they want to capitalize that. They want to see it physically change the contract. So you contact and you say, I want you to apply this and therefore reduce, you've got two choices, reduce my term mm -hmm. or reduce the amount that I pay each month. So Correct. keep the term the same, but you can phone the bank and, 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 and you know, change your, your, your period. But yes, I think, so. yeah. I wanted to say you've got those two options, um, but if your third option is, but I want to increase my installment as well, because I think I've got the ability to pay this, then you'll go through a credit assessment just to make sure that you've got that ability. So the first two options are very quick to do. Um, it doesn't require uh, a lot of um, information to be shared, but the third option does require it because the National Credit, Us, uh, uh, National credit Act requires from us to do that. And just to, to clarify, if, say for example, I had that 200,000 Rand car, I had my 50,000 Rand advance payment, and I didn't capitalize it um, and shorten the period, I would still pay it off over the same time because of that interest offset. I wouldn't yeah. no necessarily have to actually do the contract change to have the same outcome. No, no, you wouldn't. But um, in that case, you would have then shortened your period. So if you want to capitalize the 50,000 Rand, you want to pay the same premium, your 72 months will probably become like 60 months. Mm -hmm. Great. Okay, so hopefully we've answered. We'll probably get a lot more questions because that's confused a lot of people, but hopefully we've answered that now. Um, and before we end off, one of the other things I'm getting so many questions about is yeah. what do you do if you don't want your car anymore? And there's this perception, can I? Can the bank take it back? Um, I don't need my, another person said, I don't need my car anymore. I want to surrender it. Maybe it's very important to tell people you can't just hand your car back to the bank. What actually happens? Yes. I can make yes, I want it anymore. What do you do? So the, the the bank currently owns the car. I think that's one thing to understand. It's you've got a loan agreement to pay off principal debt, and then once you've done that, you own the car. 
So if you want to give the car back to the bank, there are options available, uh, volunteers, voluntary surrender options, and those are good options. So at APSA, we've got a process, we call it a, a fast buy process, where we get in contact with all our wholesale dealers and ask them who can offer the best possible price on this vehicle. Um, that price is then compared to the early settlement amount, and then we can negotiate, okay, but at what amount can the customer settle the vehicle and get out of the vehicle, and then that dealer takes ownership of the vehicle. So, but that, so they don't necessarily go to auction, because that's one of the no. other risks, it goes to auction. No, that's so that's, do that that's before an auction, yes. So this oh. is, because it's voluntary, it's not a legal process. Um, mm -hmm. The auction process usually kicks off after the legal process, after a lot of payments have been missed. Um, so that's a completely separate way of, of handling it. So basically, you could, you've got two options. You could go to a private sale and sell the mm -hmm. car, like you would, or you could go to Epson and say, please facilitate the sale of my car. Correct. But that's basically Correct. the same thing. One is the bank is facilitating it. The other is, is you're going privately. That, that's it. But in both cases, yes. the car is being sold for a value. And if you are have a balloon payment, and you're only two two years into the deal, it's very mm -hmm. unlikely it's going to settle the, the, the outstanding balance. And I think that's, Henry, where the disconnect comes. People think, well, I've handed my car back, I don't have to keep paying. Yes, but you didn't rent the car. You, 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 you um, took out an installment sale agreement and you are responsible for the principal debt on that agreement. Mm -hmm. So that's your responsibility. And for that responsibility, you get access to use the car. Um, so, yes, when you do have a settlement amount that's less than what you still, than what the car is worth, you are liable for that difference. Mm. And I think that's very important. You cannot just give the keys back and say, oh, there's no more debt on this car. Okay. So, yeah. you, it, it all depends on what you can get. So, I think it's very important that in selling it, you obviously try and get the best, best possible price. Correct. Um, Correct. the difference. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, I want start start with the settlement amount, understand what that is, and then go and see what's the best price you can get for it. Great. Well, I want to say thank you so much, Henry, for your time. This is Henry Werther from ABSA Vehicle and Asset Finance. Um, I think it's been really, really useful. And uh, please, guys, if you've got questions, post them in below. Um, because maybe in the new year we can we can touch base on this again because it is a very hot topic. Uh, but I think, Henry, for me, in the, wearing the hat that I wear, because I'm obviously the consumer journalist, it's Make sure you have a deposit, avoid a balloon payment, make sure you can afford the car, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So um, for me, probably balloon payments are the absolute devil. <laughs> I'm sure there are moments <laughs> in time where, where, uh, where maybe it works, but I think they just land people up in such significant debt. Um, so I think that, that that would probably be, be the piece of advice I'd like to leave with. And you, Henry, what would last yeah, final? Well, I think there are good use cases for a balloon payment. Um, not all customers that take out of the balloon payment go into bad debt. It's, it's definitely not the case. There are uses for it, but just don't start doing it repetitively. Um, that's when you get into trouble. Yeah, repetitively. Don't just keep allowing that balloon to roll over and roll over mm. and roll over. Great. Yep. Super. Thank, Thank you. you. So that's a wrap for today. Um, if our listeners would like to learn more about these or any money-related topics, they can go to the City Press website, or to your website, womanandfinance.co.za. Or my website, mayaonmoney.co.za. And if you have any questions or comments, you can send us a WhatsApp voice note to 064-554-3959. And we look forward to hearing from you. Because we want to know what it is that you want to know.
You've been listening to the My Money, My Lifestyle podcast, featuring contributors of the City Press personal finance pages. 